Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents The Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in via Toronto, Canada, we have MC Flipside, a.k.a. Natale P. Zonia. Yes. <laughs> you see? You see the phonetic way of me explaining it to you when we were in the green room getting ready to vibrate together and like, you know, share this meeting of the minds via technology. I'm impressed, you know, you told me you have Italian ancestry and uh, at first when you pronounced it, you know, you made me sound like an offshoot of a uh, pizzeria franchise based out of New York. But then, uh, you know, uh, don't ever disrespect me like you a delivery boy at the door. And then um, you managed to nail, you nailed it. When I explained it to you musically, of course, being a producer and a DJ advocate, you know, through the sessions, of course, you uh, nailed it. Once I explained it musically and you pronounced it very well. My grandfather, who's in the heavens, would be very proud that you said, Be so Nia. And here's the thing. He would say it with his hand like this. Be so Nia. Agabit. Awesome. Well, thank you, Granddad. I appreciate that. Thank you for the blessings. So thank you for coming on the show today. We got a lot to jump into here, uh, especially let's hit it right head on. You just released a new track, Roots and Culture with Preston Zane. Tell us all about the inspiration and the making of that track. How did that all come about? Okay, so first of all, I got to give a shout out to Preston Zane. Mike, he's a very talented guy. He's won three Niagara Region Awards, so they have the Regional Music Awards for his area in Niagara Falls, Canada, and he's won three of them, and he's such a humble guy. He actually came up working with Joel Zimmerman, a.k.a. Dead Mouse, back in the, the early rave days, um, and they were childhood friends. So of course, you know, Joel, uh, being the way that he is, he's very um, respectful to people that he believes are talented. I mean, he's, you know, he, he sometimes can be, uh, people have their opinions on him, but they don't really know him. It's when you reach a certain level of fame, they just assume. But I can tell you this, that um, when he's amongst peers, uh, regardless of gender, he doesn't look at any of that. I mean, he was worked with many uh, people from different walks of life. But one thing I do say, and I know this with all my heart, is that when he respects you on, a, on an artistic and technical level, he actually will go above and beyond to help you. And Michael Preston Zane is is one of these people that came up with him, you know, through the early years that Joel is one of the years he presented one of the awards to him to, you know, thank him. And, and he actually said Mike is a very talented guy. And how it came about, Mike had booked me to play for one of his nights in the Niagara Falls region. And, you know, you get Niagara Falls, you get a lot of people from upstate New York, Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, sometimes as far as Ithaca. And they'll come and drive up to Southern Ontario because you can get there within, you know, three hours, sometimes 20 minutes. If you're right in the heart of downtown Buffalo, it's very close. Kind of like Seattle, the van, it's quick, right? Um, especially if you're in the outskirts of BC, it's right there. So um, he had me play a gig and the next day he said, do you want to come by my studio before you head home to Toronto? So it's about an hour and a half drive. I said, sure, why not? So I went over and... He played me three beats and I wrote three songs on the spot for each beat, hook, verse idea. And Roots and Culture was one of them where he played me this really filthy bass 
And then I started thinking, now remember, now remember, you must have roots and culture. And so when I did it, he was listening. Did you just come up with that? And I'm like, well, yeah. So we had a different beat that was a little bit more techno, but I wasn't sold on it. And so Preston was like, okay, man, you're a, a difficult person to please. And I'm like, trust me, we need the, we need the right baseline for this vocal. And lo and behold, um, he finally sent me the instrumental that you hear today. Um, you know, I had him, I gave him some feedback for some of the synthesis and sound design on one of the parts, but really the way he came up with like, it's almost like a techno calypso rhythm, you know, it's like really, really cool. And then, you know, the but it's not like obnoxious, which sometimes it can happen in North American interpretations of like, bass electro tech house fusion it's uh, it becomes a little bit too electro which is not cool to even though i used to make a lot of electro there's a time and a place and i think if you're doing tech house it needs to be what it is and so that's the incarnation so then i sent that track that i did with mike that's how that's how it came together to saladin who's a friend of mine from chicago who i did don't interrupt me with on tommy boy and i said hey i know funk junk his, um, you know, uh, label likes music that crosses genres. And so he's like, yeah, I really like this. It's like equal parts tech houses as it is bass music. And there you have it. That's what you hear today. He had the brains though, to hit up Microdot, who's an underground techno artist out of Chicago, uh, big up Microdot, who took my vocal and reinterpreted it into this really cool stripped straight up jack and acid techno mix he's he killed it he did a great job and that was the whole point of roots and culture it's open to interpretation right you must have roots you must have culture whether it's house techno minimal breaks jungle you have to remember foundation while you push it forward to keep the culture going that's what that song is really about and you know what what is what is your like number one or what is your inspiration for making music where do you derive inspiration for coming up with this i mean going to the studio being introduced to three tracks and be able to cut you know you can have mike right on the show and he'll tell you he his <laughs> wife was standing there and literally one was a disco house kind of track one was a you know like the roots of culture another one was like more techno it's so to answer your question, and sorry if I cut you off, um, a Michael Jackson interview that was done back in the day with um, that POS, uh, Martin Bashir, who was a disrespectful journalist, regardless of what, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole of Michael Jackson, whatever. I'm going to look at him for what he represents to me, which is artistic mastery. So that interview what he said was talking about Billie Jean, how he was sitting on the piano coming up with an idea of the chorus of the verse and Martin, one of the only parts where he had respect for him, but where do you come up with this? And he said, in his soft spoken kind of way of speaking, I just want to, I get out of the way of what the universe is sending me. 
and I try to like capture those ideas because I'm a very spiritual person and some artists, you know, and they have every right to be, you know, agnostic or not spiritual or atheist. They'll be like, oh, it's a moment. And, you know, I just apply the hours. And for me, it's like, well, I apply the feeling that that music is making me sense deep down in my spirit, in my soul, in my essence. And what I try to do is quantify the notation of the bass line, the speed of the rhythm, the harmonics of what it sounds like. And then I try to capture my voice in those moments and think, how can I interconnect with these pockets of time where I can try to do what I do to take that instrumental to another place and hopefully make it even more memorable mm -hmm. and more uh, catchy and um, perhaps something that maybe inspires somebody or touches their soul. You know, I'm going to quote your bio here because this one really hit home for me. You know, never one to follow trends in relationship to MC, flip side. His range of influences may surprise you. Michael Jackson, George Michael, Stevie Wonder, Green Velvet, and Louis Vega. Why? In Flipside's words, none of them can be duplicated, which is a sign of a real artist. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just kind of described to our, to me and our viewers is that you are not trying to be duplicated. You are a real artist. You're, you, can, you, you go with that flow and making what you produce. And which leads me to a question is, is, you know, in a sense, how do you, I think you kind of said, how do you remain on the cutting edge of your sound and be versatile while still doing you? You know, that's something that you definitely wanted to talk about. How, how do you do that? It's, first of all, that's a great question. Um, and it's an important one because to remain on the cutting edge is not um, easy. Uh, it requires work. Humility, sacrifice, it requires laser sharp focus uh, and also self-confidence, you know? So like people, you know, people talk about Gary Vee and these motivational speakers and they'll be like, oh, you know, sometimes they'll say some of them are um, a bit narcissist or self-centered and it's like, well, no, they're not. Like if Cristiano Ronaldo, cause I'm, I'm going to call it football, it's not soccer, regardless of us being in North America, it's the real football not American football. Like you look when people say, oh, he's arrogant, but why? When he does six step overs and he can land them, is that arrogant or is that skill? Because I can, I'm a fan of Juventus, that's my team. I share that with uh, other great artists such as Rihanna and Loco Dice. And you know, there's other ones that are also big fans of La Juve, La Vecchia Signora. But I remember seeing him every week playing for Juventus when he was 33. And everyone was like, oh, he's a ball hog. He's this and he's that. All I saw every week was somebody that was trying to make his team be better. You can't just look at a glimpse for 10 seconds on a highlight reel. So, like, to get back to what you were saying, you know, it's that ability to be confident but also be humble and to understand, like, during the lockdown, I really advanced my songwriting career, and I'm now working with, some really cool companies that I'm, I don't want to say the name because I'm, I'm not actually not supposed to, but let's just say it's one of like the big movie publishing companies where 
they're known for their catalog. So HBO, Netflix, and within me giving them my first batch, and so the lockdowns in Canada were strict. And while everyone was like literally going at war about who's got the, you know, the first dose or not, and who's a, a disciple of conspiracy theorists and who, you know, is the most righteous Karen with 800, you know, N95 masks on their face, thinking that they're the second coming of Jesus Christo. Like the, the, the reality is, is that I put my, my head down and worked and listened to the, all the great rappers of today, all the great R&B artists of today, all the pop records of today and listening to what I like, what I don't like, trying to learn new methods of delivery, of writing, and perhaps looking at what's good and what's bad, because that's like that in any genre of any, of any era. And so to remain on the cutting edge requires self-belief, confidence, discipline, and to, to understand that you have a duty it's your duty to continue to learn and to take your raw ability and to apply to get better, just like these amazing athletes that can keep defying the odds for decades to come, even when they're retired. Believe me, you don't want to go and have uh, a friendly match on the court of one-on-one -on -one with Jordan to this day or John McEnroe to this day or go on the pitch with uh, Clarence Seydorf you know, because he's going to, they're going to embarrass you time and time again. You're not going to win at a friendly match against Martina Navratilova. Doesn't matter if they're retired. Like, good luck. Yeah. No yeah. chance. You, you know, something you brought up, and there's a couple things I wanted to touch on really quickly here. One, about the ego, the perception of ego, uh, and, and the, the, the people can be rude because they're perceived that way online or they get trolled online. I was interviewed, interview yesterday with uh, Leah Luna. And, you know, she's online, nice, nicest person in the world. Great interview with super her cool. and, and super cool, super, super cool. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, you're super cool. <laughs> she's uh, well, anyways, we have mutual connections as well. And, um, but she was talking about that, you know, that one person we were talking about online and how people can, you know, have cell phones in the clubs, taking pictures in the clubs, or they're so quick to judge because, you know, they might make a post online saying, oh, Lena's a bit, Leah's a bitch because she didn't say hi to me or something. But she's like, explains her side of the story and say, maybe I just got off the plane. Maybe it's 15 minutes before my set. Maybe you snuck in the green room. I didn't have time to say hi and shake your hand and be everything. I was kind of frizzle because I got to get online and do my set. But you take that and put it online and say, I'm a bitch because of that or something rude. It's like, that's not really how my personality is. I'm looking at going, I could never see you being like that. Of course, I have her sitting on the couch doing a one-on-one -on -one interview and a 20-minute pre-show beforehand. But, you know, it was just, you know, it's, it's amazing the perception of what, what happens out there, especially, you know, like Joel. I know he's gotten some, some heat in the past for things he's done and said online. But, you know, typically I've always found that the higher up you go, the more chill and humble and cool people really are. And that lower level local ego is, isn't there anymore. You know, it really isn't there when you really get to know these people and they're really chill and they're, they're friendly, they're nice, they're outgoing, they want to support the industry because they all started from that same spot, you know, and, and I don't think they forget that. But, you know, the local ego can take its, its toll. Um, the second thing that I wanted to bring up is I just completely forgot what it was, um, but that's okay because I'll come back to it in a few moments. Um, 
but you know, do you come from a musical family? Did you come from a musical upbringing, or what was your? I, I do actually. Okay. My dad, although he's a mechanical engineer, he okay. plays guitar, piano, harmonica. I used to be in bands, and he would when he moved here from Italy. Originally, he was living in New York, and it was a bit overwhelming for him. So my aunt on his side, my my dad's sister was here, and he decided to give Toronto a chance, and he was living down on uh, Corso, Corso Italia. Like I speak Italian pretty fluently, actually. Um, <laughs> Better than me. <laughs> he was living on, no, Via Italia, so on College Street. And that's when a lot of the influx of immigrants from that time uh, were there. And he would play at places like the Elmo Combo, which people could find online uh, to any of the Americans that are watching and are curious. You know, you can Google the Elmo Combo. They just reopened again. And my dad used to play there at, when he was, uh, he's a rhythm guitarist and he was the uh, backup singer. He would sing lead on some songs, but at that time he was focusing on rhythm guitar and he would also play piano. And as a kid, he, you know, made me take lessons of the guitar and um, I was in the choir as well in the Catholic church, which uh, I'm not endorsing that by the way. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, typical uh, Italian being raised in uh, North America and, uh, I'm glad that I had to do these things because um, it made me uh, musical. And my mom has a good voice, too. She's not formally trained, but she'd always be showing me Italian music when I was a kid from festivals like San Remo, which is like their, you know, Grammys. And uh, just crazy influence because my dad would play tons of blues when I was a little kid. And I guess it was a direct influence. I can feel it inside me because being three or four years old and your dad's speaking to you in broken English, but he's talking to you about the mastery of BB King and Otis Redding. It's going to leave a, a print on you that is hard to shake. And so all my music revolves around that, you know, like that's very important to me. Do you remember the first record you ever bought as a DJ? Yes. What was it? The very first one, where that I, I bought a bunch that night and it was at a store called Fresh Records and they had um, a location in the Italian area because I knew if I bugged my father to take me down downtown to Young Street, which is actually the longest street in the world, um, just for all the nerds out there if they want some Canadian trivia. And uh, I knew that I would have to like not push it too far. I was in grade nine and um, I remember it was strictly rhythm. It was a house music record. There was a bunch, but the very first one that left an imprint on my brain was uh, Logic, The Warning. It's it's on strictly rhythm and it's like very deep house. And the bass line goes boom 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 dum 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 and then there's like cool chords that go Boom, 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 boom. Logic, the warning. I still remember it like it was yesterday, bro. Like, yeah. crazy. Like, what an imprint it left on me. And big up my dad for, you know, 
spending uh, ten dollars for one for one record, nine ninety nine at that time. That's like, could you imagine somebody now? They're used to Spotify, nine ninety nine for one song on one side. Oh, their head would explode, you know. But they have no idea how beautiful that feeling of touching that vinyl is, opening up that package and that seal, having to rub it on your leg so you don't get that vinyl cut on your finger, you know, and you have to. And then you open it up and you pull out the sleeve. I miss that um, whole, you know, 10-dimensional experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like the whole, it was like when you bought the cassette tape and you had the full, or you had the record, you could open up, you had all the lyrics, you know, the vinyl, or you had the tape cassette, you could pull out the lyrics, the CD cover, and you had the artwork. And you, I remember we would save our CD boxes and put all the boxes. Remember the CDs would come in boxes that were like this big, but the no. CD was this big inside of it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like what's going on? And then they got rid of the boxes. You were getting finally. a platinum black. <laughs> yeah, right? And then you put that on your wall, and that, that was like your album card. Yeah, it was your, your, your album uh, artwork, your cover artwork, because they could put a lot of artwork on it. And then they did away with that. And because CDs, I was reading something the other day, funny enough, they go, you know why Gen Xers are so pissed off? We started with vinyl. We had to go to eight track. Then we went to cassette tapes. Then we went to CDs, and now we got MP3s. And we have to keep buying the same damn freaking album five times, <laughs> you know, or track five times. It's all good but, stuff. When it comes there to is production, though, with vinyl, but I did forget uh, to mention that my two sisters are at, are both musical as well, Felicia and okay. Vanessa. My sister Vanessa's got her Royal Conservatory. Uh, so she's a certified piano teacher, and she's got her uh, degree with honors from York, which is a really good school in Toronto. And she studied under uh, Professor Ron Nelson, who's like, you talk about Canadian hip hop, there would be no Drake if there was no Ron Nelson. And Ron Nelson was my sister's professor, which I think is so cool that she had Professor Ron Nelson, who is a, the forefather of a foundation, especially because we have a lot of Caribbean people here from different, you know, islands here in Toronto, that influence being Italian, having raised, having been raised next to Jamaican and Guyanese and Trinidadian people in Canada. One of the big things America, you know, tends to forget uh, a lot of Americans, like it doesn't matter what their ancestry is. They kind of put it at bay. So in New York, you see more of the multiculturalism in pockets of the West Coast, like in LA, where they're very proud to be, you know, Mexican or Hawaiian, you know, because that's its own buzz as well, right? But in Canada, you know, we're proud of being Ukrainian. We're proud of being Portuguese. We're proud of being St. Vincent and Canadian too. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us, we're literally immigrants or first generation. Like it's, we're very, Canada's very young. You know, mm -hmm. so that dynamic multiculturalism and inclusivity is a very Canadian thing. It, it always has been. It's what our country was built on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my Absolutely. sisters are both pianists. And so, yes. To, to finish up the question that you asked about the musical family, it's, you know, and my grandfather sang in the opera. So it's, it's in our blood, you know? Wow, definitely. And you actually helped create an, a, a new category for the Canadian Grammys. Yeah. Now it's, is it underground the Juno? Juno? Yeah, the Junos. What is that? Tell us about that style. I've never heard underground Juno before. Okay, so the Juno Awards are the Canadian Grammys, right? Oh, the underground, the Juno Awards. Okay, underground yeah. is the category, but in the... For the Junos. For the Junos, yeah, okay. So the okay, Juno is the Grammy, so the Grammy is the Juno in Canada. And, like, 
we, you know, myself, uh, Joanne Hill, Sydney Blue, as well as Mark Quayle, who's actually a lawyer to some of the best artists, you know, around, including John Aquaviva, Richie Houghton, as well as people like Simon Doty from Anjuna. And so we were basically at the forefront, you know, mainly Mark, Joanne, and then of course, Joanne asked me to be part of it. So the three of us worked tirelessly for about, I'd say close to three years um, to get this new award created. But I have to give a shout out to the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, Keras, because they had to get behind us. And the hundreds upon hundreds of Canadian industry heavyweights from the mountains of British Columbia to the shores of Newfoundland that signed petition letters and supported us. So the community got behind us and I got to give a big up to the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences because we couldn't have done it without them. Mm -hmm. And how would you define success as a DJ producer? Would that be a, a Beatport top 10 hit, sold out tour? What are your thoughts winning a, winning a Canadian Grammy? What are your thoughts on this? This is a very tricky question because <laughs> You know, you could be an underground artist and be touring nonstop. You know, you you could like what is the definition of success? How do you quantify that? Everyone has different goals that they want to achieve. But I do think if you're having a good amount of regular regular Spotify listeners per month, repeat traffic organic, though, you don't want to have one hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred thousand a month if you're not getting booked out. I mean, it looks fake. If you know you're saying that you're going to have X amount of like Instagram followers, but then you're getting like low interactions and like viewership, it doesn't add up. People are a lot wiser now. And, you know, the different generations that are getting raised on the social media technology, you're not going to fool them. They're very wise and they could see through the facade. Right. So I think it's it's uh, what is what you know, what is success? I think it's doing what you love, being able to do it at a respected level. If your discography is it is getting, you know, helping you get signed to the right labels that work for you, if you're getting respect, getting chart positions, you know, organically, cracking the top of the charts regularly, I think a one-off top 10 doesn't cut it anymore. If you can do it over and over and over again, don't get fixated on number one, number 10. Are you getting the respect from your peers? Are you getting dropped at Music On? Are you getting dropped at Tomorrowland? Are you getting dropped on different, you know, added to different Spotify playlists? Are you cracking the weekend weapons charts on TrackSource? Are you getting ch charted on, you know, new music releases Monday? Are you on the hype chart on Beatport? Are you on their, you know, weekend weapons, their weekly selection? They're, you know, digging in the crates. Are you getting the respect from your industry peers, through the industry sites, through the viable channels, Twitch, all of these different sources, local community radio? Is your hometown still messing with you? Are you getting, you know, collab requests from world-class artists? These are all the different things. Are you landing licensing deals with HBO or the NBA or Netflix? 
or getting nominated for awards. I can say that I do these things. So am I successful? Then sure. But does that motivate me? No. I have to be honest with you. When I was younger, yes. What motivates me now is knowing that I can achieve that level and getting respected and signed to these outlets Mm -hmm. or getting added to these playlists or getting the people who support these sounds to want to buy what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and to play it and the fans. It's important. I mean, you just recently had one of your tracks. I saw it. I was looking at your Instagram. You you posted up there. um, I can't remember the duo. Was it a duo that played one of your tracks at Tomorrowland? Yeah, Sonnery James and and, uh, Ryan Marciano. They're, They're really, really good DJs. Like, I've been watching them. First time I saw them was at the B-Port party in Miami, 2010, mm-hmm. where I was hosting. I was the official master ceremony. Shout out to B-Port. And at the time, my track, In the Zone, had just went to number one on the electro chart from courtesy of the Bart B-More remix. Mm-hmm. And I also had Carl Leo, who delivered a slamming techno remix of that track. And then I did the original, which is more like a stripped kind of minimal mix that I did with some piano stabs, which, funny thing is, that's the one that, to me, mine like Bart's is still killer but it's funny because I did the kind of like the minimal piano thing back then and now you're hearing that a lot now mm-hmm. you know house music's always got a place if you notice out of any genre it's the one that defies time yeah it doesn't matter which you know because you remember everyone was on and on going on and on about fidget 2007 8 2009 you know switch switch fidget's untouchable who talks about fidget now, but everyone talks about house. You name a bigger brand the defense now. I'm waiting. Yeah, Crickets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but they also put in the time and the hard work and they have the passion. It's important. You know, what were you watch were you actually watch or two? Did, did you another example or hot creations, right? Mm-hmm. Different sides of the, the house music spectrum, but they're always there. Who has been, other than the names I dropped earlier uh, that is quoted from your bio, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, you know, George Michael, Green Velvet, Louis Vega. Who has been your biggest influence when it comes to your career and why? See, there's so many different layers because there's the songwriter (laughs) part of my brain. There's the vocalist part of my brain. There's the performer part of my brain. So you nailed some of them for the performer, but the hip hop part of my brain is like respects people like, you know, young, young Ma or young MA. I've heard people call it both, but like, um, you know, then you look at different artists, like there's different things that I like about uh, Kendrick. There's different things that I like about uh, Fabulous. There's different things that I like about Cardi B. But then there's the part of my brain that looks at the production, right? Like murder beats or or I'm still a big fan of, of the boom bap. So why do I always put on any track produced by DJ Premier? Like, I'm just, I'm not going to stop. It's what I like. So there's that part of my brain. Then there's the part of my brain that just wants to freestyle day long. But then there's the synthesizer part of my brain that loves to turn on my gear and make quirky techno, right? So I'm like a very... My brain is wired different from other people that are like, oh, I'm strictly techno or I'm strictly drum and bass, you know? So my my biggest influences, well, 
okay, so for performance, I look at people like uh, Toronto-wise, I would have to say I look at Cardinal Official. I love his energy on stage. But then I have to look at American artists that I really respect. You know, you look at the, the calm nature of Nas, who I just saw in concert with Wu-Tang, and how calm he was, but how smooth he was. Or the raw energy of a Busta Rhymes, or the untouchable creativity of Timbaland and Missy Elliott. Or then I could turn around and like, still listen to the album Frank, you know, and then think of how amazing um, Amy Winehouse is. You know what I mean? Like they, th those are some of my biggest influences or Pharrell, but then I could turn around and look at the mastery of the DJing of Marco Carolla. So asking out of any artist, that question has too many answers for me. So because <laughs> yeah. I'm literally like six different artists in one person. <clears throat> Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm not like I don't look. I don't like the linear, predictable tech house artist. Boring. Next. So to answer that question, like there's this the pop artist that I respect, the the sh the actual show of someone like a Stevie Nicks who just mesmerizes you on stage, or you know even the just the sheer work ethic of a Britney Spears, you know to be able to do that, you know and. I remember like in the rave heyday when everyone made fun of all the boy bands and Britney, it's like you go on tour and do that week, week in, week out, day in, day out, night after night. There's no chance, impossible. But they create this um, inflated sense of self, you know? So there's that part of me that respects the more commercial artist or the more underground artist, like a Paco Osuna, right? So it depends or an Andy C or uh, a Fabio and Groove Rider because I'm also a big junglist. So I told you I could be here all day long. I'm <laughs> I have different parts of so, my brain, man. Well, we don't we don't have all day long, but I, you totally I I got it. I think our viewers got it. Um, do you prefer more intimate clubs or big festivals when when playing out? There's a time and a place for both. There's nothing like rocking a big festival with a set from your heart and watching them explode, even if maybe they were going to be a little bit more of a mainstream crowd, but you win them over with just the right selection. And then the up close and intimate parties where they just want one encore after the next and they're real heads and they watch your every mix and they connect with every EQ that's been worked and every layer of frequency that you make sure is just tightly done and tucked in and you got that kick drum dropped and it sounds so fat and you do it right where it's warm and it doesn't create any weird frequency. It's just a beautiful marriage. So both are good for different reasons. And you have some shows that you have coming up that you've been playing. Um, did you did the EDM one already, EDM Toronto, did that already come up? That's coming up, isn't it? That was the BPM show. The that, BPM, that was, um, BPM, not EDM. Yeah, BPM. Um, for the BPM festival, they did a uh, TIFF edition for the Toronto International Film Festival that just passed, but it was really good. But upcoming, I've got some really cool stuff. Um, uh, in the Toronto area, I'll be doing uh, a party with Mark Knight on October 9th. That's Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend, because ours falls about a, a month and a bit before yours. I think it's five and a half weeks before the American one. Um, and so we're doing a party at Saluna, which is the new venue 
that is just stunning. It's fashioned after Tulum. It's got that look. And uh, due to customer demand, we had to move it from another cool club called Love Child Social House. And Mark Knight has such a, a you know, dedicated fan base here in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, that we had to like get a bigger room because it's it's the ticket demand is so high. And I'll be playing there with uh, Mark, of course. I'm, I've done records with him. I'm signed to Tool Room, Tool Room Academy. So to be able to work with uh, my friend and collaborator, and in my opinion, one of the true titans of, of UK house is awesome. And he's just, he's a homie, man. He's one of the most humble dudes. He's so cool, man. And then uh, after that, I've got a really cool Halloween party that I'm excited doing a special back-to-back -back with another Canadian artist that's on fire right now named Faruqi. It's going to be our back-to-back. -back. He's on labels like Purveyor Underground, Raw Authentic with myself, and we're doing our first back-to-back -back with Chicks Love Us, who, are, who have a current smash on Hog Creations. So I'm excited to be working with uh, the industry. That's going to be on Friday. I believe it's October 28th, and that's going to be really cool doing that with them. And then on the 22nd, I'm playing with Alex Peace from Chicago at the Opera House, which is one of the most legendary venues here in Toronto for the Kamikaze reunion. So it's going to be for the, they were a very big rave company here in Toronto and there's a reunion and I'm going to be doing a nice. old school uh, techno and house set with Alex. And then that night I'll be doing, later that night I'm going to be playing back to back with my partner, Ms. Megs. Uh, for CODA, which is one of the best underground venues here in uh, Canada, in Toronto, with um, the 4x2, it's a horoscope thing, Scorpio and uh, Libra. We're going to be celebrating their birthdays. It's going to be hype. And a lot of events, a lot of places you'll be playing. You know, we were talking a little bit about pre-show about the curation of music, of, of opening DJs, curating their music to... I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to look for the right word that uh, to complement the opening or the headlining DJ, you know, and that's been kind of, there's been a controversy around that, you know, even here locally in our, in our market, but it's been out there for a long time that a lot of DJs go in there and they're like, they treat it like it's my time to shine. I don't get to play very often. I'm just going to throw whatever I want and I'm going to throw it, bang it out. And you know, you'll have the headliner standing there going, what is this person doing? Or why yeah. are they playing this fast? What's going on here? And you know, um, that seems to be a, a, still an issue in in the in the industry. And how do you suggest promoters go about making sure that that stays true? That they're curating it correctly because you can listen to a mix all day long and somebody says, Oh, I need 128. I need 132 for the night. And the person goes, I'll send you 132. I'll send you 128. But then they show up on site and they don't play that, you know, or they play out of it, you know, or they, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's no, there's no training ground other than going out and going to the clubs and understanding that and being on site over and over and over again to learn how to watch a room work. But a lot of, it seems like that's still a big issue. What is your take on how to go about solving that issue of the curation of the music to collaborate with the headliner artist? That's a good question. And it's one, truthfully, the it's the promoter's responsibility. Yes, you have to make money. 
you 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 have to break even at bare minimum. You know, I completely respect the risks that are taken to book an artist to deal with these agencies to build good relationships in you know relationships that are inclusive that for your lineups for the community to make sure that um you know everything is properly done all your t's crossed and your i's dotted these things are important to keep the the the, the industry going forward to propel it forward um but i do think it's also important to not just be fixated on how many uh boots you booked that night um i also think you don't need to have 15 local DJs playing for five minutes each to try to get, you know, 600 bodies in the club. Like we, it's, does that actually happen? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, some people might from, if they're from the Ontario region, because I have never played here more than I have in the last few years. I mean, for years I was on the road. And would not play here very often. Years as a drum and bass MC, as Mike Perry, the hip hop artist, when I was like touring Germany, you know. But if people don't do their research on me, it's it's not really of my concern, right? Like it, the information's there. You just have to look, right, and know your audience. So um, I think it's important to understand. Also, I don't want to play at every party because the way I interpret music doesn't suit every event i could be nominated for ten thousand awards and i really don't care who doesn't believe me right now i'm not going to compliment everything like if you don't understand that you really aren't self-aware and so promoters got to have that mentality too because when you curate that right lineup that of course your opinion matters of what you're passionate about and who you want to support. Absolutely. But there's enough talent out there that you can venture outside of your comfort zone to work with other people. And not only will they be grateful, the artist needs to be grateful that they're reaching out to you, but you also need to appreciate their effort. So it goes both ways. And then I think that'll balance it without making things political or controversial or making it negative. It's got to be symbiotic. That synergy has to be from a respectful place, respectful place like I just had mentioned. Because collaboration leads to proper curation. Absolutely. I mean, Props to Mike. you know, it was funny. We were uh, There was a show here recently where one of the opening DJs, I was told, uh, I won't name names, but Let they played a track. One of the main DJs' biggest tracks. They didn't play one of the DJ's main biggest tracks. They just, played a, they just played a track. But when the DJ came on, the DJ ended up opening with the same track. And it wasn't one of their own songs. It was just the DJ, the headlining DJ had shown up, you know, like they do 30 minutes before their set. They was their you know, USB plugged in? What? No, their USB wasn't plugged in, no. no. Okay, because I thought this maybe came, this came at nine. Plugged. This came at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the evening. The headliner didn't even show up until 1130. Okay, okay, so, okay. There was no way that the headliner could have known that this person had played that track, but they both played the same track in the night, you know? Which um, also means that they were playing way too hard if they ended with a track that the headliner wanted to kick off with. There's a certain shift of energy that's your, like, it's your duty to try to, like, even if I'm headlining and there's a closer, I always will turn and be like, 
how can I set you up? And they're like, no, 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 don't worry. And it's like, no, no, I can still do me, but set you up. I have enough songs. There's probably over 10,000 songs in this SSG drive. Like, I'm good. And they're like, da, 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 da. Okay. Are we really yeah. at a place after what we've all endured as, a, as, a, as the human race in the last two and a half years? Like, I mean, if you cannot be cool after lockdowns, and I need to let this out because I will launch this laptop off the sofa. Like, if we can't be cool and make jokes like I just said, I'm not going to really do that because, first of all, my boy Cliff would probably sidekick me off of his balcony. But, like, my point is, um, well, he could try, but I would be able to defend myself. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, a little humor is good. If you can't be cool and just be chill after what we've all shared, we all share this air. It doesn't matter that you're in Seattle and I'm downtown Toronto right now. We are coexisting right now. And if you can't have that vibe about you, you won't be around me because the universe won't let it happen. So, like, remember what I said to you about it earlier. Like, your energy attracts your tribe. When these motivational people speak this, with all due respect to them, I respect that that's their hustle and they're making a lot of money. But it's just basic. Do the things that make you feel good inside. If certain things go against your moral compass, don't do them. You'll feel better. Happiness is a choice. It's a series of choices, right? So be cool and set up the next DJ. It ain't hard, man. What what is okay? This this might be this might be. I try to promise that in pre-show, I never try to do anything controversial or anything crazy. I'm just gonna touch on a little topic here because you you kind of brought up a good point. And feel free if you want to pass, that's cool. But what is okay. your take on the DJs that are out there rumoring to be taking up too much time in the booth and not being respectful to the next artist that's supposed to be coming on and saying one more track or two more tracks or you know or we're just <laughs> finishing this last one up and it becomes 10 minutes and they say two yeah. more tracks and it becomes now it's 18 minutes into the other person's set what are your thoughts on that behavior and and how should that be addressed uh as a whole is this pre-Zen flip side or 2010 in Colorado Springs when um, uh, he was a famous turntablist. He was uh, Beck's DJ, DJ Swamp. He, uh, he tried to like get me to get off early because we were both headlining this party. Oh. And uh, there were people there that I don't want to name that are like, industry this, what, this wasn't concerning anything that i've researched on you by the way this is something that just popped up no, 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 no. But what i'm going to say is two examples so mm -hmm. i told his manager why don't you tell him and he's i'm i'm five foot nine and a half maybe five ten with a pair of sneakers on and so so you know i'm not short but i'm not like six plus right so he's maybe i think six four and a bit so i just walked right up to him and i stood there with the mic in my hand and I basically was ready to fight. I'm not and it's not cool to do that, but I was tired of his manager chirping in my ear when I was trying to mix and I basically went up to his face and said it's if it's going to go here it's going to go here because I'm not going to stop. I'll stop at my 60 minute mark. And so true story and he could deny it all he wants. He chilled and he went and he waited till I was done because I think he saw, because then I had a few friends from Denver that believe me, he would not have liked if they would have reacted. 
So like some of my old school jungle friends, but I'll just leave it at that. And I told them, no, it's not going to go gully over here. We're not, you know, shooting uh, a different interpretation, a TikTok video for Onyx Slam. You know, we're not going to do that here. So I think that it's, that was disrespectful though, but it's also disrespectful if I would have played into his time. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I have to be done at 3 a.m., my last track's going to be played at 2.54, if not 2.52, depending if the DJ needs more time, I will ask them and let them know, do you want to have a hard start? Because sometimes they're the ones that will say, no, 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 no. Your vibe's there. Like, I, I want you to keep playing. Like, I think maybe 15 more minutes. That's different. That happened to me in Portland, Oregon with my buddy Roger Sanchez. You know what I mean? And Roger said to me, flip side, keep playing because you got him in a beautiful groove. I think 15 more minutes of this pace of where you're playing, then let me go on. And I remember he opened up with that left swag on, and I mm -hmm. thought the roof off that theater was going to come off. But that's different because he asked me to keep playing. Yeah. So those are three different scenarios. I hope it explains that. Absolutely. You know, when you're not entertaining others, what do you do to entertain yourself? <laughs> um, Peloton, um, soccer, football, watching it, thinking that I'm a pundit on ESPN FC, uh, writing music nonstop. But see, that's my job, writing lyrics. That is, but I'm, I love it. But to relax, meditation, I'm a big movie buff. I love certain directors, so I follow different directors. I'm also like, I love film noir. I like thrillers. Uh, I'm also a, a fan of live theater, and I love to cook. One of my biggest hobbies is to cook, and I love to uh, go to different restaurants. I'm a foodie. I love watching food documentaries. I love to share meals with my family, friends, and also just having intellectual conversations with different people from different walks of life and like keeping my mind open and perhaps learning something from them. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you looked at anything and doing anything in virtual reality yet? I looked at the metaverse. Are you interested in where that's going to go? With Actually, everything? Yes. Um, during the lockdown, I also worked on a really cool track with higher self who used to be known as Calebra, who's on spinning. And we did a record called uh, gratitude. And the lyrics go, good mood, gratitude, stay blessed, manifest. Every day, uh, count your blessings. These are moments worth investing. So like the way I do it is like an earworm, you know, and it just repeats and repeats over like a really cool Jack and House beat. And we did it for this NFT collection called the Beats Bears. So um, my sister, Felicia Pizzonia, created this. And like she's got like celebrity DJs like from Italy, Gianluca Vacchi, who's going to be playing at the Loveland Festival, which is going to take place in the metaverse to celebrate her F NFT connect collection. So there's going to be an NFT, like a, a virtual uh, metaverse version of Flipside, and I'll be DJing and MCing. It's going to be pretty cool, man. Nice. Nice. So, yes, yeah, we, I'm checking it out. We just, uh, we didn't, we're getting ready to launch our virtuality nightclubs here. We're super excited about that. And not only just doing our streaming shows, but being able to do meet and greets, record release parties. Um, you know, we're, we're, our clubs will probably, we want to have something going in our clubs pretty much 
there's 24 hours in a day. We want like 18 of them to 20 of them having something going on in there uh, with our live streams and, and even open mic or comedy shows or people using the space as a metaverse space to 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 ex get more exposure for artists out there, you know, in a, in a different kind of medium. I want to touch on something here. I wanted to touch on this earlier on the top of the show, but I think it's a perfect time to touch on it now because we only got a few moments left. Tell our DJ sessions audience about the Tool Room Academy and your involvement in that. Okay, so I've done a lot of work with Surge from My Digital Enemy. And pre-COVID, I started working on, I get a lot of collab requests for from producers on some super underground, but with worldwide uh, fame, some high profile, signed to big labels, some upcoming. So sometimes these new and upcoming producers truthfully can't afford like hiring me to do my collabs because as a producer myself, you know, I want to write music. I want to make sure my vocals are produced a certain way. I record my vocals. I engineer my vocals. I'm very picky about the way they sound. Um, I'm very hands-on. Um, and so Surge approached me because we had done a track called Bodywork, which is signed to Low Stepa's Sima Black label in the UK, and it had done really, really well for us. And so I told him I had this sample pack, and he heard it, and he's like, these vocals are crazy. Like, I, I'll keep, if you want, I can mix them down for you and put effects on them and finish it for you and pitch it to Tool Room. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, don't worry. You can be majority owner. Like, super cool. He's like, I just want to be a part of it because I think it's dope. And I'm like, okay. So we sent it to Tool Room and uh, we are very, very blessed that they took a liking to it and they signed it. And uh, it's amazing to see the reaction that it's created because I wanted to help out these up and coming, you know, producers. And the reason why I was hesitant at first though, is cause like all these vocal samples can be used, you know, by as many people, you know, buy it. And it's mm -hmm. crazy though, because I've been starting to hear it a lot when I'm on track source <laughs> or beatport and I know that my name's not on it and I'm cool with that. But what's wild is to hear how many different interpretations there are and how people hear these vocals but some chop them up or sample them and which is why i did it or some use it in, in its entirety some put melodyne on it and make it sound like it's singing it's pretty crazy but what i wanted to happen right this is why i did it i wanted to create a a virtual instrument sample bank of my voice and so Tool took a liking to it, and here we go. Here we That's are. And awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, we're going to follow up with you. We're going to definitely stay in contact with you, follow up with you. We try to stay in touch with everyone every six months. You know, we got to let you get going, though. Um, I know you're a busy, 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 busy guy, and uh, we're going to let you go here in just a few moments. If there's anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about, what would that be? That would be that remaining humble and true to your sound even if it's you want to push the boundaries of it it's a texture sometimes some you know sometimes you got to work it for it to be smooth sometimes you got to leave it you don't want the batter to get too lumpy
right? In Italian, we say, non allungare il brodo. Don't overcook the stock. So it'll be too salty and you can't, it's not edible. Creating is like that. There's days where it's, you're going to be able to channel easily. There's days where you're going to get stuck and that's okay. Maybe you're meant to leave it alone. Like today, I was worried that we would be drawn out by the construction in my building. But guess what? It inspired me to write a song. The constant <laughs> drilling noise, and I'm not going to give up the, the hook I wrote because it's <laughs> out there, but put it this way. It's far out there, but if you loop it over a techno beat, it's going to be fuego. So, like, sometimes you got to be able to, life will give you lemons. You got to make lemonade out of it, right? And that's that's the truth. But my that would be my parting words is that it's, it's literally a roller coaster ride. You're going to feel every emotion. Some days it's going to suck. Don't get fixated on what you see on social media. Don't get fixated on the trends. Look at if you're getting genuine feedback and respect from your peers, from the heart, because it will strengthen you, it will galvanize you, it will toughen you up, and it will get ready, help you get ready, and help strengthen you to be prepared for this difficult and unpredictable and turbulent terrain that is the music industry. But if you can do that, you will be successful. But you have to hold yourself to that standard and to that level of accountability with a relentless work ethic. And before I go, opening those doors and being there for your people and always staying humble but confident in what you can do leads to opportunities like my publisher, Gino Oliveri, uh, from Pure Music Publishing, based in Montreal. They have offices in all over America. I got an opportunity because I am signed to freaking 909, Marshall Jefferson's label, and I'm proud to say that I just finished a remix for the house music icon, Marshall Jefferson. The official Flipside remix. I cannot wait for people to hear the type of beats that I'm making right now, man. Nice. Because they know that I can spit. But when they hear the type of tracky warehouse beats that I'm all about now, that I'm going to unleash nonstop in 2023, I cannot wait. Awesome. Congratulations on that. And we're going to be right there with you to talk with you when those come out. You know, MC Flipside, pleasure having you on the show. Where's the best place people can go to find out information about you? Uh, where I'm most active via Instagram.com slash MC Flipside, Twitter.com slash MC Flipside, and of course my website, www.imflipside.com. Right there. Check him out, imflipside.com. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to get this right. Natale Pizonia. <laughs> you did it again. You're two for two. All right. Thank you. You got to have a bowl of risotto now. Make your nonna proud. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having Thank me. You. Thanks You're for having welcome. Me. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on the DJ session today. It was a pleasure having you. And we will, like I said, be talking to you in the near future. Looking forward to all that upcoming stuff you have coming out. Please. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Meta. We're out there at thedjsessions.com. We have news stories, live interviews, exclusive guest mixes, our own shows. You can find us on Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, soon to be Apple TV. Download our mobile app. That's right. We got a mobile app in, uh, in Apple Store and Google Play. And check us out in virtual reality in alt space. You can find all that information out, though, at our website, thedjsessions.com. That's MC Flipside coming to you from Toronto, Canada. I'm your host, Darren. 
coming from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington for the virtual sessions. And remember, on the DJ sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>